spies, magicians, detectives, all these mysterious characters that make for a great story, right? Uh, Some of my favorite stories, my favorite movies are ones that involve these kind of characters, these characters that are are developed over time, and and you get bits and pieces as the story develops, right? And you learn more about the, maybe the quirkiness or the motivation or or what it is that drives this person. You you learn more and more about these characters as the movie develops, And, and even more importantly, you learn more and more about their mission, what it is that they're up to, why they're doing it. You've got, um, in Mission, Apos- uh, Mission Impossible, you've got uh, Ethan Hunt, right? You learn more and more about his character and, and some of the backstory, what makes him tick, uh, what drives him uh, to his mission, what drives him to success, what it is that he's trying to protect, what it is that, that he's after. And, and it seems like uh, too often he is after protecting the list of all the other spies, right, from getting into the wrong hands. You know, this, this scene here, he, he is trying to steal a list of spies to, to go through this whole sequence of complicated story, but, but he's trying to protect the list of spies, right? And then you have someone like Sherlock Holmes, Right? depending on what version it is that uh, you watch, different, different evolutions of this. But, but you've got this quirky character who is observing things that nobody else can really observe, taking all the evidence and, and piecing together what the real thing is that's happening. You go through the story thinking it's going one direction, and then, of course, he comes in and pieces it all together, and it is something completely different than what you expected. These are great stories, right? We have these mysterious figures who, who come in and you learn bits and pieces about them and, and develop more about them and then you get to this point where it all comes together. When Jesus begins his public ministry, he's a bit of a mysterious character. Especially if we're going through the Gospel of Mark, the way he presents the story of Jesus. He's this mysterious figure. He, he comes into the scene very quickly and then we get bits and pieces of, of who he is. But, but he's always trying to hide his identity. He doesn't want to be truly revealed for who he is. There's this secretness of who Jesus is. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to spend some time in this series looking at stories of Jesus where where he begins to reveal himself more and more, letting us in to to who he is, letting us into who he's about and what he's about. This man of mystery is one that reveals himself more and more, but at the same time is trying to keep his identity secret. And so we'll explore more of Jesus' identity and, and in that process discover more about ourselves and more about our purpose. So we're going to start in Mark chapter 1, if you want to be turning there. Uh, if you need a Bible, we have Bibles on the back tables and you're, you're welcome to take one of those and give those away as well. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 4. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey 
And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So this is the opening scene here. This is chapter one, right? There's not a lot that is, is setting us up for what is happening here. We don't have a lot of context. We don't have a lot of backstory. We don't have a lot of background. And the first character we have is this character of John. John the Baptist. And Mark doesn't really go into and is really not interested in giving us a lot of background about who he is or, or where he was born or, or details about what he's been teaching. He's just kind of thrown into the story here. He is simply John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. And he comes preaching and, and whose who, who's baptizing was, was to do with, has to do with the forgiveness of sins. He's presented as the forerunner of Jesus, but that's really all that we're given about him. There's this preparation for the spirit baptism, which is, is, is more definitive than the baptism of water that John brings. But, but oddly enough, John does, give, John does give a complete description of John's or Mark gives a complete description of John's wardrobe, right? So there's not a lot of background, but we know what John looks like, right? We know what he's wearing. We know what he has here. He's got this, this camel hair and this leather belt that he's wearing. He eats locusts and honey. This is a strange character. This is all that we're really given of him. There's this mystery to who he is. But it, it gives us a picture of John that is not at all mainstream, right? Right? This is not a character that you would see in the Jerusalem establishment. This is not somebody that you would see in, in the religious order of things. It's not somebody that you would see in the institution or the culture of Jerusalem. And it gives us this picture of, of a way that is not comfortable, a way that would require giving up pleasures, a, a way that is giving up of luxuries. This is the first character that we have in Mark's gospel. John, this character who is strange, who's on the fringes, who's out of the mainstream, who is different than the others, and his preaching announces that there will be one that is more powerful than him. And so this character of John is, is pointing to another, is pointing to someone else, one who will baptize with the Spirit. And so, so John is powerful in, in the proclamation and, and in, in proclaiming the will of God. He has this proclamation. He's speaking on behalf of God. This brings him a sense of, or gives him a sense of power, but he's pointing to one who is even more powerful. And this one will be more powerful because he's not speaking God's word, but he is executing God's will. The one who comes after John will actually be doing it, not just talking about it. And this brings incredible power. Let's continue in verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, with you. I am well pleased. 
And so the scene has been centered on John, and then we have this new character that comes into the scene, and we don't know anything about him as well. He just walks into the scene, no introduction. But we know that this one that has walked in, this Jesus, we know that he's the main character of the story. We know that this is what it's about because in verse 1 of Mark, it says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So we know that we're reading a story here about Jesus. And here Jesus enters into the scene unannounced with, with no, no introduction, really no significance. He just walks into the scene. We have no birth narrative. We have no background. We have no description of his childhood. It is just this person who comes from Galilee. This place in the middle of nowhere. He's not a part of the urban sophisticates that are are coming from the city of Jerusalem. He is this person from Nazareth. And so for the main character of the story, he comes in a bit of an anticlimactic way. This Jesus of Nazareth, this Jesus of out in the middle of nowhere, insignificant place. One would assume that the Messiah would come in with some sort of triumphal entry. Would come in and and be a dominant figure in the story. that, that That they would immediately capture the attention of the crowd. But this is not how Jesus enters in. Jesus comes from the middle of nowhere. Rustic Galilee, indistinguishable from the rest of the crowds. And then Jesus is baptized here in the Jordan, and the heavens are torn apart. And when something is torn apart, it cannot easily come back together. Something that is open can be closed, but something that is torn is open and stays open. Mark tells us that when when Jesus comes up out of the water, heaven breaks loose. It is torn open. In the Old Testament, Joshua and Elijah and Elisha, they all have stories of where they go down to the Jordan and they part the waters of the Jordan. It's a symbol and a sign of the power that's been given to them from God. But Jesus comes down to the Jordan and it's not the Jordan that splits. It's not the Jordan that parts, it is heaven that parts. Torn open. And this is the beginning of the gospel that is the beginning of the new creation. Things are ripping apart, things are changing, Jesus is coming in, and God is coming through Jesus. And finally, we hear this voice that apparently is only heard by Jesus at this moment. This voice that says, you are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Every every good story has a well-developed setting as well, right? We need a scene that the story is taking place in. The setting builds layers to to the story. It gives us detail and understanding of what's happening. It it builds to the suspense and the, the development of the characters. Ethan Hunt hanging in that scene there inside, is, he's not just stealing a list from anywhere, he's stealing a list from the headquarters of the CIA, and it's not just the headquarters of the CIA, it is this very secure vault that he has to, to hang in to steal this list. The scene creates drama, the scene creates intensity, it, it, it builds the suspense, it, it builds the energy for what's happening here. 
shows us more about who he is. And so in this particular story, we have this scene that starts with the wilderness, with the desert. This place that's on the fringe, this place that's in the margins, this, this wilderness image that we have. They're out in the middle of nowhere. They're not in the city. They're not in the temple. They're out in the wilderness. They're out in the deserts. And of course, this idea of the wilderness is going to bring back lots of images from the Old Testament. The wilderness played an important role there, didn't it? Where the people were out in the wilderness, wandering in the desert, brought to the promised land. The, the wilderness is more than just the margins of civilization. It's, civilization. it's more than just being out in the middle of nowhere. It's a place that brings this powerful biblical imagery this place that, that gives us a sense of expectation, a sense that God is moving in some way, that God is doing something. It's in the wilderness where God is preparing for new beginnings. It's in the wilderness where God is at work at, at drawing people back to him. It's in the wilderness that God is bringing people to his purposes and to his mission. God leads people out into the wilderness and then he leads them over the Jordan into the promised lands. It's a place that, that God draws people to win them back. And then we have the Jordan River, of course, that plays an important role in this story. The Jordan is the, the border between the wilderness and the promised lands. The what is and what can be. The old and the new. The Jordan is what leads into the new place, the promised place. And so the desert and the river together, they create this sense of expectation that God is going to be doing great things, that something's going to be happening, that he's about to free Israel, and, and God now acts through his beloved, through his son. And so as we, we look at this story of Jesus' baptism, which is a familiar story to us, we look at it and we think, what does this all mean? Robert Stein, in his book on biblical interpretation, tells a story of a, a small group, a life group, a, a home Bible study that is having a conversation over Mark chapter 1. And the first one says this, says, what the passage means to me is that everyone needs to be baptized, and I believe that it should be by immersion. So this is one person's view of, of how to interpret Mark chapter 1. Another person says, I think it means that everyone needs to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Another person says, I'm not exactly sure what I should be doing. This is the honest answer, right? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. The, the fourth one suggests that the passage is meant for us to, in order for us to meet God, we need to go out and get away and, and commune with God in nature out in the desert. And so these four people are having this conversation about what is Mark chapter 1 saying to us? What does it mean to us? What is meant, to, meant for us? They're sharing what the passage meant to them. But that's not what Mark is talking about. Mark is not talking about what it means to us. He's talking about the one who comes who is more powerful than John. He's talking about the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit who is announced from heaven. Jesus is who Mark is talking about. Jesus is the story here. 
not us. Jesus is the long-promised one, the Messiah, the Son of God, the, the bearer of the Spirit. The focus is on Jesus. But he is still this mysterious character. Here in this first scene where Jesus enters, there's still mystery. And it's not until chapter 6 that Mark starts to give us a little bit of background about Jesus' family. Who is this Jesus? There's just enough revealed about him to pique our interest. Just enough to show us that there are unseen forces at work in this story. That there are unseen forces working within history to accomplish God's redemptive purposes. This is what, we are, what is revealed to us in this moment. But it's still a mystery. It's still just a jumping off point that makes the beginning of the good news of Jesus' ministry. It's a, a teaser of sorts for what we will discover about Jesus later. It's only just a taste of who he is and what he's all about. Jesus enters the scene. He is baptized. Heaven splits open. The Spirit descends. The voice of God reveals the identity of our main character. But that's about all we're given. Often in a good story, there is the reveal. It's, it's used to keep the plot moving. It's, it's used to, to keep some suspense built into the story. The, the reveal is, is new information about the character or, or new information, another detail about their background that, that helps twist the plot in a way that, that we weren't quite expecting. The reveal helps keep the story going. The character isn't who we thought it was. It's something different. And so we're invited in here into this story. We're invited into the beginning of the story of Jesus. And, and we witness the baptism. We, we witness this baptism of this, this nobody from nowhere who just enters into the scene. Only to discover that he is not just this nobody from Nazareth. He is the son of God. And now the plot changes. The plot thickens. Here is this Jesus. He is the Son of God. But what does that even mean? We're not even clear on what that means or what the implications are or, or what that changes, what it means for us. We've received just enough information here to, to, to pique our curiosity, to want to know more, to explore more of who this Jesus is. Who is this? Someone who comes and is the Son of God? It's just enough for us to decide that we want to continue with the story. That we want more. We want to know more about who this Jesus is. And so this is the beginning of the story. Who is this Jesus? The Son of God. Are we hungry for more? Do we want to know more? Are we, are we curious about how this story will develop? Curious to know more about who he is? In many churches, this Sunday today is, is a Sunday that, that focuses in on the baptism of Jesus, celebrates the baptism of Jesus. We're reading passages about the baptism of Jesus. 
And it's also a time for us to, to remember our own baptisms. To remember the journey that we've been on. The beginnings that we had. This beginning for Jesus. This beginning for us. What does Jesus' baptism tell us about our own baptism? As we see him coming in as a stranger, as an outsider, as an unknown, is baptized and is revealed for his true identity of who he really is, that marks only the beginning of his journey, the beginning of his ministry. And so take just a moment now and, and reflect back on those moments for you. Reflect back on your own baptism. For me, I was 13. I was at Ponderosa Christian Camp. I'd been going year after year after year, growing up there. And we had our, our Sunday morning worship gathering because we, we got there early because my dad was the director. And so before camp even started, uh, we would get there on Saturday and then have worship Sunday morning before all the campers would get there. And it was that Sunday in 1993 that we went down to the creek, down at the bottom of the hill there at the camp, and my father baptized me on Father's Day. It's the same place my sister was baptized. It's the same place that Elena was baptized. This same water, the same place. And for me, it was a community thing. Because here was a, was a family. It wasn't my immediate church family, although there were many people from my church, but it was this extended family as well, this family that would get together every single year for this camp session. This place of ministry, this place of, of care and love for teenagers. A place that, that would shape me and mold me and guide me. A place where I could confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And so we all, we all have a story. We all have that memory. That church building. That baptistry. That preacher. That moment. That family that was surrounding us. The decisions and the emotions and the things that were happening that led up to that moment. But as important as that moment was, and as important as baptism is, what, at whatever point in your journey where, where that baptism comes in, as important as that is, it is just the beginning. It's just the start of something. It's the beginning of this journey that we're on. This journey that we go on together. The baptism of Jesus is, is only the beginning. Our baptism is only the beginning. It's only a small reveal for the big reveal that's to come. Being at the beginning means that, that we're invited to, to journey with Jesus and with our fellow disciples to discover the secrets of Jesus along the way, to discover the mystery of who he is. This, this man of mystery draws us into a story, draws us into a story that we participate in, a life that we live. And so as we encounter these secrets, as we journey through these 
mysteries. We have these aha moments of who Jesus is. Some small, some big, some changing over time. We have these moments where we we discover more about who this mysterious character is. The plot thickens. Sometimes the plot twists. And we discover more about who he is. And it's this journey ahead of us that is essential. As Jesus is revealed, we see God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit all coming together in this scene here. This moment where the, the, the Trinity is, is seen together in, in perfect community. Where, we, where they all three come together for this breaking in of the kingdom of God. And so God's reign is breaking in in this mysterious way. And they're doing it together. They're not sending Jesus off to do it himself. That the journey Jesus takes is not done alone. That it is God and Son and Spirit all together in this moment where heaven is being torn apart. And just as Jesus was not left alone for his journey, and the journey is not meant to be traveled alone. That we travel this journey together in community. Only in community can we compare notes on the, myster- on the mysteries. Only in community can we share the clues that we've discovered along the way. Only in community can we encourage one another. It's only in community that we can explore the mysteries of Jesus. The Appalachian Trail is this, this brutal 2,000-mile trail that goes from Georgia to Maine. And so many hikers attempt this this long journey. They have backpacks full of gear and supplies to sustain them on this long journey. And, and, and the hike will test one's physical and their emotional and their spiritual strength. And while many will trek this alone, they're really not alone. Because there's story after story after story of what they call trail angels. Where at just the right time, at just the right moments, someone came along, a good Samaritan that had a mysterious knack for showing up with food, showing up with water, showing up with transportation, just at the right time when the hikers were approaching desperation. They were never alone in this trek. So such encounters provide strength and encouragement to continue on the journey. And so for us, we are not alone. As we begin this journey, we are not on this journey alone. Baptism is not the final reveal for Jesus. It's not the final reveal for us. But it is this crossing the Jordan, crossing into transformation, new life, new creation. And so for Jesus, it was, it was one significant moment that revealed just enough about his identity to keep us coming for more. The start of a journey that we want to join and participate in. Baptism is, is a reminder of where we're going, is more important than where we've been. The wilderness is not the important part. It's the crossing over into what is new. The wilderness is formative. The wilderness changes us. God is at work in the wilderness. 
but we don't stay there. We continue forward as God works in us and changes us, transforms us. This is the man of, ministry, the man of mystery that we follow. And together, as a community, we discover more and more about who he is and how that changes our lives, transforms our lives. Let's be standing together. We're going to spend some time in prayer and communion together. For those of you that are visiting or new, we have communion tables that are prepared along the side of the room. And these tables are prepared with with crackers and juice that remind us of Jesus, remind us of the gift that he is to us, remind us of the grand reveal through his death and through his resurrection and the hope that we have in a future because of him. And so I want to encourage you, as, as you go to the tables, uh, go uh, together, go individually, go, go as a family, friends, life group, uh, definitely take your kids with you as, as they're in the worship gathering with us. But also use this as a time to remember our baptism. And maybe use this as a time to, to just share a, a brief version of your story with somebody that you're in communion with today. That as you take the bread and as you take the cup, we remember that moment that we've had that reveal. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the blessings that you give us. We thank you for this time and this message. God, we pray that, that you will continue to reveal to us who Jesus is. Reveal the mysteries that are found in him. Help us on this journey and help us not to walk alone. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.